Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. Once again, Ruth chapter 1. And Ruth chapter 1 will be our text this evening under the title, Close to the Lord. Close to the Lord. I wonder, do you know people who, when they travel, they're frequently homesick? And if they go a certain distance away from their house, they cannot wait to get home. If they go on holidays anywhere that they don't know, they struggle. But perhaps you know other people, maybe the opposite. And they dream of being somewhere else than where they currently are. And that the grass seems always greener somewhere else we're all different but we can sometimes be tempted to think that other places other locations other temptations have it better than what we have some people long to go but when they go they often realize that where they go to the grass isn't always greener over there. Now, as we think about such things, as we talk about such things and leaving home, and our text speaks about a family, they have difficulty and they, they leave their home. But we have to, as believers in Jesus Christ, not just think of physically moving our home. We may have times in our lives when we have to do that for good reasons. But where is our true home as believers in Jesus Christ? The city of God. Heaven itself. The new heavens and the new earth. That is our true home. And that is what we need to be close to. There are times in our Christian walk we will be tempted to think that the plains of Moab that others outside of the fold of God have it better. And it can be tempting and enticing to us to drift from the presence of Almighty God and to neglect and forget the true blessings that we have in and through Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can discover these things in a very painful and chastening way so much so that it makes us miserable that we wish to return to him Ruth 1 looks at Naomi and her family and we also see Ruth the Moabites and others and we see there what it means to leave the land of milk and honey a land of blessing. It's going through difficulty, famine. And eventually, Naomi sees she must return to where the Lord dwells, to where the Lord had his promises, to her inheritance given to her by the Lord. What about Ruth? We're going to learn about Ruth as well. Ruth from a pagan background. Moab. 
a land full of idolatry. What can she teach us? Did she see perhaps the good things that Naomi didn't see? That it was good to be close to the Lord. And indeed, friends, we ought to remain there by faith and by faith alone. Our first point that we're going to look at here this evening as we look at this text is verse number one. And under the, under the heading reproach, number one, reproach. Verse number one, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. At the beginning of this verse, it tells us when this book takes place. It takes place during the time when the judges ruled. When the judges ruled. And often at the beginning of books, we're given information that is very important to understand what was going on at that time. And at the time of the judges, we have a book right before the book of Ruth called Judges, which gives us an account of what took place when the judges ruled. This is before the time of the king's ruling. And we're given two texts in Judges. Judges 17 verse 6 gives us an idea of what happened during those days. Judges 17 and verse number 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And then in verse 21, or chapter 21 and verse 25, chapter 21 and verse 25 says something strikingly similar. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And if you look through the book of Judges, you're going to see something very sad. Uh, they would fall into sin. And the Lord would send a deliverer. The Lord would rescue them from the hands of oppression. And those were dark, dark days. One of the hardest books I read through is the book of Judges. I don't know if any of you struggle in the last few chapters. You know, there's certain parts of the Bible. And you wonder, why are these details in here? Well, for no other reason to show us how dark it is, even as the people of God, if we will not depend upon him. So these were dark days. We're not told exactly when and what judge this was under. But we're told in these dark days that there was famine in the land. Something is not right because they were doing that which was right in their own eyes. That's a problem. And if we look at Proverbs verse, or chapter 12 and verse 15. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 15. Verse number 15 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And this is what they did. They did which was right in their own eyes. And the Bible doesn't lightly repeat things. It doesn't just say things twice for the sake of taking up space. It's obviously very important. Each man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so the time of the judges, was it characterized by closeness to God or was it characterized by unfaithfulness? A departure from the Lord. Well, it was characterized by a departure from the Lord. See, what really matters and what we've all got to think about in our own Christian lives is not what is right in our eyes, but what is right in the eyes of God. Because we will often be wrong. You see, we need to be changed. We need to be changed and conformed more and more into the image of Christ. And with this great departure from God, there was famine in the land. Now, that may not seem like so strange. If you go throughout most of human history, there's been famines and droughts and all sorts of things. But this is no ordinary piece of land. This is the land of milk and honey. This is the land that in Leviticus chapter 26, this great promise has been made that there would always be plenty. In large ways, this was the land that was a picture of heaven itself. Rest and abundance. You see, today we can have famine in different parts of the world. It doesn't necessarily mean judgment. It may mean judgment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But here it certainly does. If we turn to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 19. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse number 19. Verse number 19 and verse 20. And I will break the pride of your power. And will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. In verse 21. And if ye walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me. I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. But contrast that with the first few verses in verses 3 and 4 of the same chapter. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Something is clearly wrong. There's famine in the land of plenty, in the land of milk and honey. There's a famine. And even today, there can be signs of providence that can tell us that things are wrong. In Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it talks about not sending of a famine of bread, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And certainly we've got that today, don't we? 
we have an abundance. You open up most of our presses. We have lots of bread, lots of all sorts of things. But what we have today is a famine of the hearing of the words of God. See, it's in this context that this family mentioned here in the opening few verses leave their inheritance. They leave where the Lord was pleased to dwell. They leave what was given to them for inheritance. This was really reproach, wasn't it? And how should they react? Should they listen? Should there be repentance? There was departure. And if we even think of the name Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And the house of bread has no bread at this time. Does the answer lie with traveling to Moab where there's more food at that time? Very tempting. And from a human point of view, you can understand why they left. There was more food in Moab. But the solution was not leaving the closeness of the Lord and going to the presence of idols as they did. Moab is a pagan land. And as I said earlier, grass is not always greener verse number three says this and Elimelech Naomi's husband died and she was left and her two sons sin can look tempting sin can make it oh look if you go over here things will be much better But we must remain close to where the Lord dwells. If there's reproach, if there's challenges, there's difficulties, what should we do? Seek the Lord in prayer. Face those challenges. Face those difficulties. The solution was not to leave the inheritance of the Lord, but to seek his approval. Number two now, return. Number two, return. Verses 3 and verse number down to verse number 5. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the, the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malan and Chilion died, also both of them and the women. And the woman was left of her two sons. And her husband. Things didn't go as expected, did they? Naomi loses her husband and her sons. And she's left with two Moabites, daughters-in-law. That might not seem today like a big, big problem. But in that time, that was a big, big problem. Why would they leave the land? And think about this from a human point of view. Here's a place, there's more food. Here are our children. We have two sons. What do we do? How are we going to put food in our mouths? And so from a human point of view, you can see the attraction. Well, we've got to go. There's food over here. We've got to feed our family. 
and I'm sure we can think of many examples when we think of out of a putting our, our children and our family first, we can drift from the Lord. Friends, God must always come first. He must come first above your children, even above your spouse, everything. God is the most important priority in your life. More important than your best friend. More important than anything or anyone in this world. God must come first. You see, the blessings, friends, come from God. They don't come from the land of idols. They come from God. And when they go away, they see where the true blessings is. When God visited the land, it says in verse number 6, the second half of verse number six, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord has had visited his people in giving them bread. He had visited his people in giving them bread. And when the Lord visits his people, it is here with blessing. It is here with blessing. The, the source of our blessings is God. The source of all that we have is God. And so we must remain close to God's presence. And if we're not close to God's presence, if we have drifted somehow, we must return. And sometimes acts of providence, certain things in our lives will show us that was not a good decision. We went in the wrong way. We must return. We must repent. The Lord will at times show you things in various ways. This was not the most fruitful way to go. So she seeks now. This is Naomi. She seeks to return alone. Now you may look at this and think. Oh has she learned? Naomi has clearly learned with the blessings lie. And she has to a degree. But not completely. Her daughters-in-law want to come with her. But how does she respond to this? In verse number 11, And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there any more sons in my womb that they may be your husband? Now, you read this and you might think she's being you know, exaggerating and she's just... There is a lot of ways in which she's, she's really persuading them to go back. But why is she doing this? Orpah did depart. Ruth did not. And again, from a human point of view, you can understand. In the ancient world, if you didn't have a husband, it was very, very difficult. Actually, you'll often see in places like Isaiah chapter 1, the people who were often treated the worst in society were the widows and the orphans. Why? Because they did not have a male head of a home to represent them. And so, out of concern, Naomi says, I don't know where you're going to get a husband this way. I can't provide you with a husband. The only way you're going to get a husband is going back to Moab. You can't come with me. She doesn't quite see. She sees the solution is returning for herself, but she doesn't see it for these two Moabites. 
women. Now Orpah departed, as we said, but Ruth clave. She clave and she wanted to return to where the Lord was, where the Lord dwelt. Friends, I wonder, could you be like Naomi at times? What do I mean by that? We can all sometimes think, yes, I need to be at church. I need to hear from the Lord. And when I don't hear from the Lord, when I'm not reading my Bible, I really drift. And you see the need for yourself to know the Lord. But then when we're talking to other people, perhaps outside of the fold, we don't really emphasize their need for the Lord. We need the Lord, absolutely, but so does everyone else. So does everyone in this world made in the image of Almighty God. You see, we may be going back and we may have repented, but still in some way undervaluing what we have in Jesus Christ. It is so wonderful that it is for all, regardless of your background, Regardless of whether it's Presbyterian or any other background, the Lord saves sinners. The Lord saves all those who will come to Jesus Christ and trust in him and in him alone. And I've met Naomi's. Sincere believers. But they undervalue what they have in Jesus Christ. Do you see that is important? Yes, for you to trust in Jesus Christ, but your lovely neighbor down the road who you talk to every day, who clearly has never made a clear profession of faith, that person also needs the Lord. She is, Naomi here is placing the need on the here and now. You need a husband. You need a husband. He's, he's, she's saying to her daughters-in-law. And it's out of a care. It's out of a concern. Life would be very, very difficult for them, humanly speaking, without a husband. But where is the source of true blessings? With the Lord. In the house of the Lord. In the house of bread. In the house of real sustenance and it may look like when you're following the Lord you're putting yourself at severe disadvantage by doing so remember this the Lord provides he always provides you may not even be able to work out in any way how okay I know that this is the way I should go but I know humanly speaking it's going to be a disaster but the Lord provides. We don't serve a limited God. We serve the almighty God himself. And Ruth sees this better than Naomi. See, your house, your money, your fortune, your job, your position, your status in society will not protect you. Only the Lord can infallibly guide you and protect you. So we've looked at number one, reproach. Number two now, return. Number three, rest. 
rest. And this brings us now to Ruth's profession of faith, which is absolutely wonderful. Picture this. This is, she is a woman with no background in the religion of the Jews. Now, how she came to faith, we're not exactly told. Was it through her husband? Was it through uh, Naomi and her husband? Maybe it was. But the fact of the matter is, she came to trust in the Lord. She came to trust in Jehovah as her Savior. In verse number 14, it says this, And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. They're both urged and given all the excuses in the world to go back to the land of idolatry. Orpah goes, but Ruth does not. She claves, she clings. And there's going to be tests and trials in our lives to test and see, is our faith genuine? And there's a blessing in that, friends, because if we never had difficulty in our lives, we would really not know if we're really following the Lord. Orpah was convinced. She went back to her old gods. She went back to her old idols. Ruth? No, she wasn't leaving. And look at what she says in verses 16 onwards. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And very importantly, Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her. Naomi saw that Ruth was determined and she was not to be moved. And it's also interesting, isn't it, as well, she recognized that by trusting in the Lord, it wasn't just her alone by herself. Thy people shall be my people. Something very beautiful about that. It may even be a people that would struggle to accept her. But she embraced them as her own. She chose to follow a difficult path rather than seeking to do what most would do. The here and now. Seeking a husband to provide. But she sought the Lord first. She sought the Lord first. And sometimes, don't we, it's wonderful to come across the rules that we, that we meet in our walk. Those people, no background, maybe recently converted, and they have that enthusiasm and that zeal. She comes from a pagan background, a land of idolatry. How much training? She probably has little to no training, but she clings Loyally to her mother-in-law. And she also clings to her God. 
and she leaves all that she knew behind her. There's a sense in which we do this. Don't we? We, we turn our backs on everything when called upon to do it. The true believer says, I follow the Lord no matter what it will cost me. And she leaves all behind because she values God so much. She leaves her family and everything she knew. I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. And as we said, Naomi could represent in a lot of ways that religious part of the visible church today. Generation after generation going to church maybe walking away for, from it for a time and even tries to convince Ruth to go back to her land of idols and to not follow her to the presence of God. But Ruth describes something unbreakable. Look what she says in verse 17 once again. Where thou diest will I die, where I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me also, if aught but death part thee and me. We are one. We share a common bond. We share something that cannot be broken. Why is this? Well, if we think about ourselves, friends, we share a common unbreakable bond as well in Jesus Christ. We're in union with Christ. We've trusted in Jesus Christ, and we share a saving union and communion with him. And so we do with one another as well. If we turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number three. Ephesians chapter four and verse number three down to verse six. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And Ruth recognizes this. In clinging to the Lord, yes, we cling to the Lord first and foremost, but we are one. Isn't that wonderful that Ruth recognizes that? See, today we have a very strange notion. Well, I trust in the Lord. Praise God if somebody's done that. But then people think, well, I don't need to join a church. In the early few centuries, the idea of coming to Christ without coming to church was absolutely unthinkable. To trust in Jesus Christ was to identify with the body, was to identify with her people. And Ruth sees this. She sees that she's leaving behind her old family and she's gaining a new one. Isn't that wonderful? She's gaining a new one. She's got a larger, more extended family. And it doesn't matter that she's a Moabitess. Isn't that wonderful? doesn't matter her background. doesn't matter her level of education. It doesn't matter all these things. The fact is, she becomes part of the people 
of God. And no matter our backgrounds, no matter where we've lived or no matter the accent we may have or anything else like that, if we share Jesus Christ, I think you'll notice that if you're ever traveling around. And if you meet a believer in Jesus Christ, it's very easy to have a conversation with them. You may never have met them before. You may not know nothing about the city they're from. You may know nothing about their family. But if you share Jesus Christ, you share something wonderful in common. You share that King. And that brings us to our final and fourth point, rejoice. So we've looked at reproach, return, number three, rest, and finally number four, rejoice. And for these last two verses, Naomi and, and the family, Naomi and Ruth, return to Bethlehem. This may seem like a strange heading, but she is bitter and she's faced bitter experience, as it says here, verse number 19. So they went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. They said, is this Naomi? And you can imagine, Naomi's been away for quite some time. And now she's returned. And verse number 20, and she's basically pointing out, this experience has changed me. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, or that's bitter, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Do not call me Naomi, or that's pleasant, call me Mara, or bitter. She's been changed by this experience. And though she does not feel like it, Affliction and challenge and difficulty of her time in Moab has brought her back where she needs to be. The house of bread, Bethlehem. Back to her inheritance. Back where she needs to be. A bitter experience. A chastening experience. A very challenging experience. She probably thought by bringing out her family, we will secure our future. And she comes back with her daughter-in-law, a Moabitess. She comes back, as she says, empty. She went out full. Verse 21, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. She has suffered. But in that suffering, it has brought her to a place where she ought to rejoice. Why? She's been brought to Bethlehem for the beginning of the barley harvest, the beginning of blessings. Affliction is brought into our lives for many reasons. But the ultimate reason is our sanctification. And if we ever drift from the Lord, the Lord will lovingly bring difficulties into our lives. It doesn't mean that the Lord's wrath is upon you. It does not mean that. Not always. It can be chastisement. In the same way you love your child, and the child whom is still your child sins in front of you, you discipline that child because you love that child. You care for that child. 
and suffering brings us to a point and a place of rejoicing. The house of bread. The house of food. The house of sustenance. We've seen it even this morning. This morning we spoke of the affliction of Paul. The difficulty of Paul. Paul writes the letter to the Philippians. In bonds and chains. And this letter to the Philippians is recognized as this epistle of joy. Even though it's in the midst of suffering. And that's the great challenge of the Christian life. Rejoicing even though you have faced such bitter experience. But the affliction of Naomi has taken her away from Moab. And shown her where she needs to be. Back to where God has visited his people. You may have a difficult experience. Where you have learned much. For all kinds of reasons that experience may have come into your life. But has it taught you? Has it brought you away from where you should not be to where you should be? That is reason to rejoice. That is reason to praise God. That is reason because you've been brought away from a true land of famine. Moab is the true famine religious famine and brought in to the house of bread the house of God you may have drifted for a time but the Lord has brought you back it is reason to rejoice friend are you miserable in sin when you drift into sin does it make you miserable and you may feel like the Lord's mercies and graces have departed you for a season. It does not mean that. A child of the Lord is miserable in sin because his heavenly father is chastening him. Do you see that? If you're drifting into sin and it has no effect on your life and you're quite enjoying it, that is reason to be concerned. There's a sense in which we should rejoice in our afflictions because of where God has brought us to, where he's brought us from. Naomi has not seen it, but she's been brought back to a place of blessing. Isn't it amazing? They go out with the wisdom of, with the wisdom of man. But they come back to the providential hand and the mercy of God. And Naomi sees that it's God's hand. Look at verse number 21. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. <coughs> Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me? She sees the Lord's hand in this. She sees his chastening hand. And it's difficult. It's challenging. But it brings her to the house of bread. Bethlehem, once more, is the house of bread. It brings her to the place where God has visited. In conclusion, friends, are you close to the Lord here this evening? 
You may be a true believer, but it's possible to drift from the Lord. There you must remain. There you must keep your eyes. The devil is a roaring lion. Seeketh whom he may devour. One of the biggest mistakes Christians make is they think that they cannot fall into certain sins because they're a Christian. We can fall into all sorts of scandalous and horrendous sins as Christians. We must always and ever be vigilant and on our guard, trusting not our hearts, remaining close to him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding. We can all drift from the Lord. But the Lord loves his children and he brings them back again. We must return. If you have left the closeness and the embrace of the Lord, return unto him. Find rest in him. But yes, find rest in the Lord, but don't do it alone. You're not an island by yourself. You need help. You need fellowship. You need prayer. You need encouragement. We've been made in the image of Almighty God, and wonderfully speaking, there's lots of image bearers of Almighty God around us. We need fellowship. We need to see human faces. We need to be around each other. We need to rejoice in each other's presence. We need to share what the Lord is doing in our lives, one with another. And we need to see it is God who brings the good food, not the world. The world will show you all its delights, but it's the pleasures of sin for a season. But the Lord's food is eternal. The Lord's food is good. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is upon him. We find our food, our eternal food, and it is in him we rejoice in the house of bread. Amen. Let us stand as we pray before Almighty God. Almighty and eternal God, a great and mighty King, we thank Thee for the truth, the way, and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for this chapter of Holy Scripture and for the wonderful testimony that is found with Ruth. How she clave unto the Lord. How she left behind all that she knew. Lord God in heaven, we ask that we would value our eternal inheritance in heaven. Help us, Lord God, to see what we have. To see where the good food comes from. This manna from heaven. This refreshment found only in Jesus Christ. Father, we are sinners. We are prone to wonder and we can fall into all manner of sins. May we not trust in ourselves. May we not trust in that which is right in our own eyes. But may we trust in what is right in the eyes and thine eyes. And may we seek thy face. May we love thy law. May we meditate upon it day and night. And Lord, as we embrace thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, may we also embrace thy people. May we love thy people, whether they be in 
this congregation here or any who have a credible profession of faith around the world, Lord, we, we ask that thou wouldst bring thy church together, whether that be in Scotland, in England, in Wales, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, around the world, that the glory may shine forth. O Lord, that thou, thy great and mighty name would be honored and glorified, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. We ask that thou wouldst be merciful to us, pardon our many sins. May thy face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please turn with me in your Psalters once more to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And we want to sing all of the Psalms. Psalm 121, a song of degrees. I to the hills will lift mine eyes. From whence doth come mine aid? My safety cometh from the Lord, who heaven and earth hath made. And may we be reminded of that. At all times, we may look to human means, but may we look to the Lord above all else. May we look to him. Thy foot he'll not let slide, nor will he slumber that thee keeps. Behold, he that keeps Israel, he slumbers not, nor sleeps. Let us sing to God's praise. I to the hills will Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.